Just before we come to the preaching of God's word this evening, let's stand and we'll look to him in prayer. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we bow in thy presence and continue on before thy throne of grace this evening. We thank thee, O Lord, for the great privilege that is ours to come before thee, to worship thee, to lift our voices in praise unto thee, the God of heaven. We thank thee, O Lord, that we are bidden by thee to draw nigh unto thee. And thou hast told us to come into thy presence with rejoicing and with singing, with thanksgiving and with praise. So, Lord, we come to thee this evening and we give thee thanks indeed that we are found in the house of the Lord. But, O Lord, we pray for thy help this evening in the understanding of the things of God. We pray that even as we sing these words of thine, that we would understand them in our hearts. <clears throat> we pray, O God, that as thy word is read and as it is preached, that, Lord, all of these things would be with the understanding. That thy spirit would bear witness with our spirit uh, that we are the sons and daughters of God. We pray, O God, that thou would draw very near to us even now, and thou would be our portion. Lord, thou knowest the word that thou hast given even for this night. And Lord, we pray that thou would take that word and that thou would apply it to the hearts of those for whom this word is intended. Thou hast sent the word, O Lord. And so we pray that thou would use it for the end, to the end for which thou hast sent it. Lord, if there be any in our gathering who are cast down, any, O Lord, who are struggling, any who are in that valley of despondency and darkness, we pray, O God, that thou would draw near. We pray, O Lord, that thou would comfort those who are cast down, that thou would strengthen the weak, that thy, O Lord, would give those who are strong a cause of rejoicing and persevering. We pray whatever the need of the heart might be, that it would be thy spirit that would meet that need through the appointed means of the preaching of the word. We pray, O God, that thy presence would be with us this evening, that we would know that thou art here, that there would be no doubt in our minds that this is the house of the Lord, this is the place where thou hast chosen to dwell with man, as it were. And even as thou hast promised, for two or three are gathered together in thy name, that thou would be there in the midst. So, Lord, we claim that promise tonight. Come and be in our midst, we pray thee. We pray, O God, for those who are unable to be here through sickness and through infirmity and those, Lord, who the circumstances of life and the providences that thou hast sent their way have encroached upon them in such a manner as to hold them back from being here. We pray, O God, that even wherever they are and whatever the circumstances, that thou would be unto them their portion this evening, that they would know the strengthening grace of Almighty God, that they would know the tender care of a loving Heavenly Father, and that thou would be with them. So, Lord, we look to thee now. We pray that our minds would be made to be alert, though they be tired after the flesh, though our bodies be weak, though our minds, Lord, after a day's toil may be weary, and our bodies may be, uh, may be craving even that time of rest. Now, Lord, we pray for a spiritual strength. We pray, Lord, for an alertness of soul, that defies the flesh, that defies the body, 
And, O Lord, that every heart would be riveted to thy word. Come and speak, O Lord, we pray with power. Come and anoint the word of God with thy spirit. And give help this evening, O that we might see thee. For these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll turn back in God's word to that passage in Job that we read together in Job chapter 23. Perhaps after we have had the preaching of the word this evening, I could ask the Reverend Stuart Farms to lead us in prayer uh, once we've had the, uh, the message from the Lord. Job chapter 23. We're taking as our text this evening uh, the verses from verse 8 to verse 10. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. In recent days... We have been considering encouragements from God's word and challenges from the scriptures. Messages that have sought to encourage and to embolden and to arouse you as believers. And to exhort you to go on in the work of the gospel. There have been rallying cries to the kingdom work from Joshua. We have had a time of thanksgiving for gospel privileges and blessings that come from the Lord. And I trust we have had something of a heartening view of the access that we have to God through Christ in this better day in which we live. These gospel days in which we live today. But with all that has been said... With all that we have seen from God's word that would seek to encourage and to enthuse. There are times in the Christian experience that as a child of God you just simply do not feel at all encouraged. There are times that no matter what is said, no matter what is preached... No matter what you read or what you sing, there are times that you are not at all roused to the service of the gospel. There are times that are, frankly, dark days, distressing days, days in which it feels to you as though you are not even a believer at all. Days in which it feels as though God is not there. And no matter what you do, you just can't shake it off. It seems so irrational to you, yet there it is. You know you've got access to the throne of grace, but you just can't pray. You can't hope. You feel alone. You feel abandoned, even. It feels as though God is not there. You're in distress. If that is the case for any here this evening, then I trust what the Lord has sent to us tonight is a word for you from this passage, a word of comfort in distress. 
comfort in distress. Job defines the problem for us in the opening words of verse 2. He defines his experience. He, he puts it like this in verse 2 and 3. Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. What Job is saying here is that he is a bundle of contradiction. He believes in God. He believes in God's justice. He believes in God's fairness. He knows that, as he puts it in verse 6, that God is able to put strength in me. Yet he cannot find God anywhere. So though he believes that God can strengthen, he is beginning to lose hope that God will actually strengthen him. It just seems all of a sudden as though God is no longer there. Job can't find God. And so he sees himself as this living contradiction. A child of God with no God. And so here we have Job. He sets out in search and he is searching for comfort in distress. Notice then, firstly, this evening, the despondent search for God's presence. Look at verse 8. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. These are powerful and they are poetic words that echo the cry of Job's heart. There's no melodramatic exhibition here from Job. He's not exaggerating. Rather, there is a genuine sinking darkness in Job's lived experience. The words that he uses here, they're not frantic words. He's not in a fluster. There's no intensity in the language that he's using. Rather, the whole feeling is that of a continuous sinking despondency. The words of one who has tried and has tried and he's getting wearier by the moment. And he has tried again, yet he has failed. He just cannot find God. And now it is as if Job can't even bring himself to try anymore. See how he has searched. He has searched the circumstances of life. He says, I go forward and I go backward. These words, they can mean to go forward and backwards in terms of time. So it's as if Job is searching forward in time. He's trying to imagine a better day. He's trying to whip up hope that, of, that God's presence will be there someday in the future. But he can't find it. He sees no prospects that things are ever going to get any better. How could they be? He has no tokens of God's favour. He has no sense of God's nearness. And so Job turns his mind backwards. Because he has distant memories of better days in the past. He can remember things in the past that, that to him are, there's a hint of God's presence there. So he searches backwards. 
He searches through his memories. He's trying to call to mind those past days in which he had a sense of God's presence with him. He's searching for feelings of God's favour. In those days of past prosperity and blessing at the beginning of the book, when Job's life was one walking blessing, he searches his history, but now those times, those experiences, they now all seem so unreal. And Job begins to wonder if just maybe, maybe they weren't real. Maybe all those memories of God's presence are simply delusional. He's finding no comfort in his memories of the past. In the circumstances of life, past memories and future prospects, Job is finding no sense of God's presence with him. But Job also searches for God in the places of life. Those same words, I go forward and I go backward, they also carry with them that sense of geography. To go forward is a figurative way of speaking of the east. The Hebrews would have spoken as going forward, as being a man standing looking toward the east. He was going forward. The rising of the sun, the coming day. And to go backward, likewise, then means to go west, to look west. It's behind. And for Job to search east and to, to search west, it's a reference to searching in all of the places and searching at all of the times. From east to west, from sunrise to sunset, he is searching. He's searching in the field. He's searching in the home. He's searching in his own heart. And what does he find? Does he find God there? No, he finds emptiness. He finds desolation. He finds despair. He has lost all his goods. He has lost the field. All that he had has been destroyed. He's lost his family. When he searches in the home, they're not there. His own wife is advising against his best interests. Curse God and die, she told him. He has lost his own health. And now he has lost all sense of communion with God. Job is alone. He's down. He's in despair. This isn't surprising. Whenever we think of the dismal outcome of Job's search, we read, but he is not there. I cannot perceive him. In all of his searching forwards, he finds that God is not there. Not there. In other words, all that he can find is nothingness, emptiness. It feels to Job as though God does not even exist. Whenever he searches backwards, he says, I cannot perceive him. He's saying there is no evidence to any of his senses that there is such a thing as God. He has no sense of it at all. This idea... And the word perceive is that he is unable to discriminate between what is of God and what is not of God. All of those past experiences of God's favour, Job is now unable to distinguish them from his present experience of emptiness. And so he begins to wonder, was it real? Was God ever there? 
He's feeling confused. He's feeling numb. He's spiritually numb. This experience of Job is perhaps painfully familiar to some saint here tonight. And we are to see here that there are, there exists real times of distress in the life of the true believer. This is a true lived experience of a true child of God. Job was a real person. His experiences were real experiences. These are not some abstract, this is not some abstract work of poetry. As poetic though it is, this was a man of God, a man of faith, and here he is describing the true distress in his heart. It's real. And perhaps you tonight, this evening, are going through some time of darkness just like this in your own life. A time in which you are losing all sense of God's presence. A time in which past blessings now seem to be so unreal and so distant. You even accuse yourself for failing. You think yourself to have been deluded. And you begin to wonder if you can be a child of God at all. You may even begin to lose your grip on the reality of God himself. Does that describe how you feel? This is the real, lived, painful experience of a true believer. Now not everyone will experience this kind of turmoil. But there are true saints who do. This was a real experience for Job. These things that he is saying, perhaps you hear what Job is saying. Maybe you've read the book of Job and you think, you listen to what he is saying and you would maybe shy away from saying those things yourself out loud. Yet we're told of Job that in all this Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. He is merely articulating the real experience of his heart. The first comfort then for the distressed saint this evening is this. Know that these feelings that you have, these feelings of despair and despondency, know that it is no contradiction in the child of God. True believers do suffer times of spiritual darkness. They suffer a, times of loneliness, times when they lose the sense of God's presence. Times when all they have is a sense of God's absence. But notice, secondly, not only Job's despondent search for God's presence, but we have here a dark sense of God's abandonment. Look at verse 9. His search continues. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Now in one way the mention here of left hand and right hand it completes the thought of going forward and going backwards. It could, as, as going forward and backwards could very well refer to uh, going east and west so the left hand and the right hand could be the north and the south. But the point is in all of these places in all of these ways in which Job is searching he is met only with silence. He is crying out and there is no answer. 
But there is more in this verse than just the deathly silence that met Job in his search. There are two ways here in which Job's distress is intensified. And the first is that the effects of God's work are visible. But God's presence isn't. On the left hand, he says, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. What Job is saying here is that as he has been searching for God, as he has been anguishing over the loneliness of it all and the sense of isolation, he has caught little glimpses here and there of God's fingerprints. Not of God's presence, but of an evidence that God has been here. He sees the effects of God's preserving the universe. He recognises all around him that there is something of the shadow of the God for whom he searches. Just out of view. Just out of reach. In chapter 26 he describes some of the evidence that he sees. He says he stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. He bindeth up the waters in his thick clouds and the cloud is not rent under them. He holdeth back the face of his throne and spreadeth his cloud upon it. He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. He divideth the sea with his power and by his understanding he smiteth through the proud. By his spirit he hath garnished the heavens. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. But even after all this, Job still cannot find God. He concludes like this. Lo, these are parts of his ways, but how little a portion of her is heard of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? God is not found of Job, even though he sees him working in the world around him. Even though others are experiencing God's presence. Job cannot find God. Whenever he says there that he cannot behold him, picture this idea in your mind when you stare up at the starry sky and one of those really clear, pristine, starry nights and you catch a glimpse of a little tight cluster of stars. But when you look directly at it, you can't see it. You can only see it when you look past it in your peripheral vision. But when you want to look at it, you can't see it. You know that experience? That's what Job is speaking of here. He's got this sense that God is there, but when he looks for him, he can't see him. He can't find him. When he looks away, he catches a glimpse of something. He's just out of reach. Job knows that God is there. He knows that God is active, but he has no experience of it. He cannot see it. It's the same idea of confusion here too. And the word that he uses when he says he cannot behold him. It has that sense of being able to divide. To separate out the thoughts. To be able to comprehend. To put your mind in order. He's spiritually confused. He's still not able to discern the presence of God. But the other distressing thought for Job here. The other factor that exacerbates the distress that he feels is this. God is not only beyond Job's finding. But God has actively covered his presence from Job. Look at what the text says in verse 9. 
He, that's God, hideth himself on the right hand, but I cannot see him. On the Lord's Day past, in the evening time, we considered something of the abandonment that was experienced by Jesus on the cross. Well, what Job is speaking of here is the same sensation. But there is a key difference in view. Although the experience, the feeling of Job here may have been similar to that of Jesus and his humanity, yet the actions of God that are in view are completely different actions. Here we are told that God hideth himself. Christ was actually forsaken. Here we see that Job is not forsaken at all. But it feels to Job as though he is. The word hideth, it means to cover. God has covered himself so that Job cannot find him. He has covered himself for that purpose. God has put Job in this position where he will be unable to find him. God will not be found of Job. We see something there of this important teaching that God reveals himself to whom he pleases, when he pleases. Sometimes the Lord needs to teach us that. Furthermore, the reference to the right hand here has this figurative meaning of providing support. Think of the English idiom, the right hand man, the one who is your helper, the one who is always there. For the full force then of this clause is this, God has covered all signs of his support for Job. And as a result, Job has this dark sense of abandonment by God. And so we see that Job is left spiritually numb. I cannot see him. The whole idea is that Job has no sensation of God's defence, of God's support. He has lost all sense of spiritual feeling. He has lost the enjoyment of God's presence. He is spiritually numb. But it's because God has withdrawn himself from Job. Perhaps tonight that just sums up your case. Numbness. Perhaps tonight this is your experience that God has withdrawn himself from you. All around you, you see evidence of God's handiwork. You see the creation, you see the stars, you see the wonders of nature. You know that God is at work in providence. You even know of others who have the joy of the Lord and are rejoicing. But for you, you simply feel numb. It is as if, to you, you've never had God's presence at all. As if you've never actually been encountered by him. And you begin to doubt your very spiritual existence. You're in a state of confusion. Knowing that God is in control of it all. Knowing that God is really there, but you simply can't see him. It just doesn't seem to help at all. Your spiritual feelings are dull and they're lethargic. And you're in distress. Friends, if that is your experience. If you can relate to this in, in any level. Then you are in good company this evening. But here is comfort in that distress. It is not you at all you see. It is God 
who is concealing himself from you. There the devil stands ready to accuse you. As he was accusing Job before God back in chapter 1. He accuses you of never having been a believer at all. Is that a familiar thought? Well there's the source of it. The accuser. That's his infamous accusation. Take away all the blessings. Take away the feeling of, of your presence. He says to God. Take it all away from Job. And we'll see Job is no true believer. The devil accuses you of being a spiritual failure. He accuses you of being destitute of spiritual life. And whenever you look at the evidences, just maybe you begin to believe him. Maybe you start to think he's right. That's a low point, child of God. That's a low point. Yet, yet, with the devil there and all his accusations, with your own heart accusing you, yet it is God that has withdrawn himself. He has covered his presence. But his presence is there nonetheless. He is at work. You can't behold him. But he is there. You don't feel his support. You're not experiencing his support. But his support is there under that dark cover. You may remember at the beginning of verse 8 when we read it, that, that word behold is there. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. But what Job is saying in that word behold is this. He's saying to you tonight, hear me out. Hear me out. Pay attention to what follows. Feel the pain. Feel the distress. Call it all to mind. Feel the choking numbness. Of the loss of all spiritual sensation. But then hear this. Thirdly. Spiritual recovery. Will come. Look at verse 10. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me. I shall come forth as gold. Job's distress. When he says these words. Still has a long way to run. This is not Job out of the woods yet. But in the meantime, God gives him this glimmer of light, this little glimpse, this little glimpse of his presence. It's as if in the midst of the darkness, God reaches out and puts his hand on Job's shoulder and he says, I am here, but you will not see me and you will not feel me. Though he is suffocating in this experienced darkness, yet God gives him, as it were, a little breath of insight. Notice this, although God is hidden from Job, although God has not been found of Job, he is hidden from him, yet Job is not hidden from God. The verse says, but he knoweth the way that I take. The but here is very important. Oh, that word but, 
How precious is that word? The but says that no matter what the feeling, no matter how numb, no matter how distressing, no matter what your experience is, but there is a very different reality. Job's pain and his distress and his anguish, it was all real. But the but tells us of a higher reality. A true reality that goes beyond the sensation. Beyond the experience. Friends, it goes beyond Job. The underlying sense of this word, knoweth, that he knoweth, God knoweth, it means to fix or to settle by the eye. You see what it's saying? It means then that God knoweth the way that Job takes because God sees him. God sees Job. Job is not hidden from God's eye. God sees. God knows. He understands. What a remarkable, what an overpowering discovery for Job that God has had his loving, fatherly eye on Job all the time. All through the searching, the groping in the darkness, all through the distress, as he sinks down in despondency, every tear that he has shed has been marked by God. He can't even pray anymore. He can't even cry anymore. Yet of God he can say, as the psalmist did, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Not only has God been watching on, but he has, he has to, he said to know the way that I take. Job is saying that he knows the way that is in me. It's not just the outward that God has been watching. But he knows Job's very heart. He has, in a sense, felt every pang of Job's. He has noted carefully Job's sense of abandonment. He has paid careful regard to that experienced darkness that Job has been walking through, stumbling through, almost falling. And remember that Jesus Christ in his humanity, he suffered the real abandonment of the Father on the cross. Not simply the experience of it. He is truly touched by the feeling of Job's infirmity. But why? Why would God so conceal his felt presence from his own child? Now notice finally tonight that God, as the most wise heavenly father, is doing only, only what is best for his child. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. This is the design of the most wise God. Grasp at this comfort this evening before going any further. Job says this, I shall come forth. He knows that there will be an end of this distress. He still doesn't understand why. He has no concept of when. But he knows that it will come to an end. The trying that is in view here is speaking of the refiner's fire, that process of purifying a precious metal. 
A word that means to make glue or to melt if the purpose of purifying by fire. This fire of distress, this heat of abandonment is for the very purpose of improving Job as a saint of God. Job will be the better for this trial. The word that's used never means to degenerate or to harm in any way. It is always a reference to a process of improvement. The grammar is interesting. The word tried, it's, a, it's complete, it's finished. The trial will come to a complete end. It will not last for one second longer than what God designed for it. But yet, the coming forth is continuous. Job will begin to come forth and he will keep on coming forth. Being refined out of this process, out of this trial, he will come forth in a way that will never go back. It's a process that will continue to enhance Job's lived spiritual experience until he reaches that time that he speaks of in another place in which my, in my flesh shall I see God. Not only will Job have that regained, that enhanced sense of the real presence of God, but he will one day, one day, in a day yet to come, enjoy that full, immediate presence of God, body and soul, in heaven. This evening then, distressed saint, tired, afflicted, buffeted child of God, Know this, God sees all of it. He knows your distress. He understands what you're going through in a way that you cannot understand yourself. All through this dark valley, whatever it might be for you, all through this time when God's presence is hidden from you, when you don't even catch a glimpse of him, when you have no sense that he is there, all through the darkness he is there and he is ready to catch you. You know, he's not putting you through this so that you will fall. God has not withdrawn or concealed his presence from you so that you will despair and fall. He is not putting you through this trial so that you will curse God and die. He is refining you. He is teaching you. He is preparing you. You will be the better for it. He sees the, the circumstances that you're going through. Whatever the earthly causes of the trial might be, whatever the reasons for it might be, he understands. All along, his eye is on you, sharper than any human eye. His presence is more real than any physical presence, than any, any felt presence. His, his existence is more true than your own sensations. But here is the ultimate comfort as we close in this distress. Your distress will end. It will come to its perfect fulfilment and you will not have lost out to the experience. This is hard to see in the darkness. That's the point of darkness. It's hard to see it. It's hard to believe it. 
God is making it hard for you to see it. He is teaching you. He is instructing you. He is sanctifying you. But your fellowship will be sweet. Your communion will be heavenly. For now you need to know that even in this darkness, he is there. He is there. You cannot see him. You cannot hear him. Your spiritual nerves are numb. But he is there. Though his presence be hidden then for a season, though he would have you to go through this dark valley, he will be with you. He will not forsake you. He will never leave you. May God be with you in all of your trials. Let's stand for prayer. Brother Stuart Farms, lead us to the throne of grace. Father God, we thank thee for thy word, thy word which comes to us at such an appropriate time. Lord God, we thank thee that thou hast spoken to each and every one of us uh, this night through the the preaching of thy word. We pray we may hold fast to thy word, the word which brings uh, life where there was once uh, death. And we thank thee that thou hast brought us into thy presence in this wondrous way as we have sat under thy word this night. Lord God, we pray that each and every one of us, as we have heard uh, what has been said through thy servant this night. Uh, may take it uh, to heart, may ponder it, may meditate upon it, may uh, think upon it, not just uh, in these next few moments, but uh, in the days that are to come. Thy word is powerful. Thy word is truth. Thy word brings uh, life. Thy word is that light in uh, the darkness. We know that the darkness cannot comprehend it. The darkness cannot put out the light of the Lord Jesus Christ and shines uh, upon his children. <coughs> so, Lord God, we do pray for any of this night who are lost, um, seeking that they may find thee. We know that uh, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be uh, saved. Father God, we pray that uh, for those who are thy children, maybe are lost in their, their own uh, thoughts, in their own emotions, in their um, the doldrums even, uh, that they would not be uh, reliant upon uh, thoughts or, or feelings, but we pray that they would know uh, to stand upon thy very words. Their lives would be found upon thy word, that uh, a foundation would be uh, dug deep by thy uh, word, and thy word would uh, sustain them, even in the darkest hour. Lord God, we do uh, pray for those who are uh, in the doldrums, those who, as Paul would say, may be being tossed about uh, by the wind, by the waves, because uh, their, their faith is, is weak at this time. Lord God, we pray that they may find an anchor in thee, that they may turn to thy word and, and see thy precious words being spoken upon, uh, to them, that they may know uh, the love of a Saviour. And we thank thee, Lord, that 
uh, the refiner's fire. Uh, that we know that uh, this is uh, for nothing, uh, not for nothing, but this is uh, a refining and a taking away the dross and refining that uh, uh, to, the, to the purity uh, that thou would have us be, uh, that we would be changed from glory into glory. And we uh, do look forward, Lord, to that day when thou would uh, come to take us to be with thyself. Lord God, we, we pray uh, that thy words would sustain us in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we are, that we would be, uh, be people of thy words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand, please, and Reverend Farms, could you uh, 